42! Blue, 42! Hut, hut, hike! This is The Game Managers on WJLX 101.5, America's one and only sports talk show. Breaking down college football's biggest games, latest news, and greatest moments. Are you ready? Because it starts right now. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Game Managers Podcast. I am Nick Norris, and Justin Knight not with me this week. He must still be mourning the Iron Bowl as an Auburn fan. No, actually, he is uh, out of town. But don't you worry, we're going to have a guest later on the show, Skylar Laura. The Skylar Laura Podcast will be joining us to talk about the Egg Bowl. Pre-recorded that earlier in the day. We're going to talk about all the news of the week, all the big games, the Iron Bowl, of course, as well as uh, Clemson, South Carolina. South Carolina pulling up the upset against Clemson. Uh, Michigan just humiliating Ohio State. Oregon being upset by Oregon State. And LSU getting embarrassed by five-win Texas A&M. Dashing their playoff hopes. Wild weekend. A lot of fun football. We're going to get into it all. But first, a little bit of news up top. Nebraska has officially hired a new head football coach. And it's a pretty big name. The school announced Saturday that has hired Matt Rule to run its football program. Rule has agreed to an eight-year contract. We don't have the financial de- details just Yet, can imagine it's a pretty hefty sum, though. Uh, most recently, Rule had a not great run as the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. Uh, it wasn't his third season there, but was fired in October after a one and four start. Overall, he was eleven and twenty-seven, but uh, that's not that's not a very fair picture of Rule's work before his time in the NFL. He uh, had major turnarounds at both Temple and Baylor under Rule's watch. Temple went from 2-10 and 10 in his first season to winning a combined 20 games over his last two seasons with the program, including a conference title, as you'll remember. Rule then went to Baylor in the fallout of the Art Brow scandal. The Bears were just 1-11 his first season. By year three, Baylor won 11 games played for the Big 12 championship. He has proven twice he can turn bad programs around at the college level, make them very successful, get them to championship games. I know Nebraska is hoping that he can do the same there. It'll be interesting to see what he does. I mean, he's going to have not a great first year, most likely, just based off what he has there. Not that there's not talented players at Nebraska, but there's not enough to be championship worthy. He's going to have to do some recruiting, great recruiter. Uh, I think this is a, a very good, very good hire. And speaking of hires, Auburn has reportedly, at least at the time of recording Saturday night, zeroed in on Liberty's Hugh Freeze in their coaching search. Uh, the possibility is that the two could reach an agreement by the end of today. That didn't happen, but it could happen, or at least it's not publicly happened, could happen Sunday or be announced Sunday. Um, 
Earlier it was reported that Auburn was down to Freeze and Ole Miss's Lane Kiffin, but since then, the Tigers have focused on Freeze to fill their vacancy. Additionally, according to ESPN's Pat, uh, I'm sorry, Pete Thamel, Auburn and Freeze have talked contract details over the last week. The news comes amid a number of rumors about Kiffin and Auburn, but Kiffin mentioned that he is not going anywhere despite potential interest. And that brings us to our next bit of news. After weeks of speculation about his future with the Rebels and his candidacy at Auburn, Kiffin told ESPN on Saturday that he plans to remain in Oxford, sign a new contract with Ole Miss. He says, quote, I had a meeting with the team and the staff and told them I was staying and it would be announced after the game. I didn't want it to be about me staying before the game, but about the team. Uh, Kiffin's statement to ESPN backs up his brief remarks after Thursday's Egg Bowl loss to rival Mississippi State, which we will talk about, as we said, with Skylar Lara, the Skylar Lara podcast. After the Rebels' 24-22 loss to the Bulldogs, Kiffin was asked if he anticipated being the coach at Ole Miss next season. He said, quote, yeah, I do, unquote. Another reporter uh, followed up by asking Kiffin if he anticipated remaining at Ole Miss. Even if Auburn offered him the head coaching job, Kiffin again said, quote, I do. And that seems to be the case. I thought this entire time he was lying, for sure. And uh, when I talked to Skyler about that later, it was before this news came out, I still maintained that I thought he would go. Skyler didn't think he would, so uh, good on him for, for getting that getting that right. Quite a shocker to turn down that much money, that, much, that many resources. But um, I guess there's something about... Living in Mississippi, I can't relate. That sounds absolutely horrific. But, I mean, if the only way I will ever move to Mississippi, I guess, is if I got a contract for some insane job that's the same amount that Lane Kiffin is being paid. Or if there was a nuclear war, I'd probably go to Mississippi. There's no major... Who's nuking Mississippi? Nobody. There's no big cities. There's nothing going on there. I mean, Alabama's the worst, but Mississippi is the worst. They are, they are the 50th worst state. We're, we're one ahead, baby, and we're going to keep it that way as long as they don't have a major city. Oof. I don't know why he'd want to stay, but good on him. In other news, the U.S. men's national team outplayed and at times even dominated England at the World Cup Friday night. The Americans outran and outclassed the Englishmen. They outthought and almost overwhelmed a 2022 World Cup favorite. Proved that progress is very real. The future could be bright, but after 90 intense minutes, they didn't have much to show for it. They drew with heavily uh, favored England 0-0 and will go into Tuesday, the final day of the Group B, needing to beat Iran to advance. But the point in the end wasn't all that different from a loss. Still... Always nice to make people sad, especially the Brit- British, I guess. And that's what uh, America did to Britain, which is uh, that's a lot of fun. It was a nice. I liked all the discourse on Twitter, like seeing all the England versus America memes. Good stuff. Good, good fun. Um, glad that they didn't win. I don't care if America wins anything in the World Cup. When we're not supposed to, but I like spoiling other people's hopes. I think that's just that's just a nice time. Anyway, speaking of nice times, we've got to move on to our next segment. That's the news is over. Sports news, that is, because we got to get into the other news, the weird news of the week. 
on our favorite segment here, Miss Managers. Peculiar and wonderful and terrible and bad Mismanagement and mystery and dreams you never had Grizzly or grievous or beavers with cleavers Audacity and specialty and news to drive you mad It's a wonder any one of us can manage to survive In a world of, world of mismanagers Alright, now recently what I've been doing I gotta give a quick plug to shepherdexpress.com For whatever reason, every week they create an article called News of the Weird, week of, and then whatever the week is. It's made my job doing this a lot easier because used to I would go and I would search out each one of these little articles. Now I just click this link and it's got a bunch here for me. The thing about it though, to keep it fun, is I don't proofread these. I don't know what they're about. And so usually I have Justin to react to these here with me. I guess this time I'm going to be going on them on my own. We're going to pick just a few of these. Let's see how many there are. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. There's 11 of these. I'm going to pick, let's say I'll pick four. Just at random, I'm going to click them, and we're going to see what's going on in the world, the weird world that we live in. Let's start with the, the top one. This is called the Tech Revolution. Let me click it here. All right, talk about... No? Talk, okay, let me start. Excuse me, everyone. I'm glad this isn't live. I'm not going to edit this out because I'm lazy, but I'm glad it's not live anyway. I don't know. The tech revolution. Talk about talking. No. Maybe I will edit this out. Talk about taking your gaming seriously. Palmer Lucky, a defense contractor and, according to Vice, the father of modern virtual reality, has invented a VR headset that literally presents a life or death outcome. Inspired by the Nerve Gear VR headsets in the anime Sword Art Online, Lucky's headset features three explosive charge modules that detonate and instantly destroy the user's head if the user dies during gameplay. Wow. So if you if you die in the game, your head explodes in real life. Is this for sale? Do they, do, do they sell this? Let's continue. Quote, pumped up graphics might make a game look more real, but only the threat of serious consequences can make a game feel real to you and every other person in the game, Lucky said. He admits, though, that he needs to keep tinkering. Quote, there are a huge variety of failures that could occur and kill the user at the wrong time. This is why I've not worked up the nerve to actually use it myself. At this point, it is just a thought-provoking reminder of unexplored avenues in game design, unquote. No, this, that's not what this is. This is murder. You're murdering people. If you, if you give this to someone... That's you're just murdering them. Don't do that. Don't. Why are you making this? Who is this for? I get it's like your little artsy project. That's fun. Some kid's gonna pick that up and he's gonna put it on. He's gonna play a little game and then his head's gonna explode. Don't don't make things like. Just don't make it. Just don't do it. Let's pick another one. <laughs> okay, this one's called Money to Burn. Let's see. A pair of, quote, well-used Birkenstock sandals were once worn by Steve Jobs. Now they have sold at auction for almost $220,000. The brown suede sandals, which date to the mid-1970s, retain, quote, the imprint of Steve Jobs' feet, unquote, gross. The auction said in describing the listing, the buyer was not named in Jobs' home in Los Altos, California, where he and Steve Wozniak co-founded Apple, is now a historic landmark. Why would you buy this? 
I understand buying shoes from athletes. I get like the Michael Jordan shoes that sold like a couple years ago for a crazy amount. He wore those in a game. That's cool. You think Steve Jobs was just wearing these Birkenstocks when he built the the first MacBook? Probably not. What are you doing? What are you going to do with them? You going to hang them up? Put them in your house? Have somebody come over? Hey, what's that? Oh, that's Steve Jobs flip-flops. Okay. Did you pay money for that? Yeah, I paid $220,000. Why, why? Why did you do that? Who is this for? I don't... <sighs> Some people have too much money. Um, I have decided if I ever either win the lottery or if I lose my jobs and I can't get another job, either of those two things, either of those extreme scenarios, I'm going to just go around and hunt people like this for sport. Maybe I shouldn't say that on air, but I think I'm going to. I think I'm just going to go around, hunt these people, and uh, maybe just take their money. Because if you're spending $220,000 on flip-flops, you don't deserve that money. You shouldn't have that money. That's what I think. Is that wrong? Email in. Tell me if it is. GameManagersPod at gmail.com. If you think it's wrong, I'll hunt you for sport as well. Let's see. Let's pick two more. Two more here. <laughs> Least competent criminal. Okay, let's check this one out. Police in Wilkinsburg, Pennsylvania were able to easily identify a carjacker who followed a woman off a bus at a park and ride on November 1st. When they located her stolen car a couple of hours later, the police inside hopped out and ran away. No, sorry. The people inside hopped out and ran away. One of the thieves left their identity behind via the Bluetooth iPhone connection in the car. Daryl's iPhone... <laughs> Turned up on the car's list of devices, and a security guard at Westinghouse High School identified Daryl Cameron Jr., 19 years old, from a surveillance video on the bus. Cameron and other sub uh, suspects are still at large. That's you got to think of everything, Cameron. I mean, it's probably your first gig, but you got to think of everything. I know you probably wanted some good, some good crime music. What is that? I've seen Baby Driver. They listen to some some fun music in that movie. It's probably what this is. Um, just use aux cord. I wouldn't have thought of this, though. I'll be honest. I would have hooked up to that thing. I would have done the exact same thing. It's something stupid like this that would get me caught. That sucks. I hate that for you, Cameron. Hope they uh, hope they never catch you. What else we got here? Sorry. There's there's quite a few options here. I'm just I'm trying to... Okay. All right. Let's do... I'm going to click this one. Night of the Living Poodle. I don't know what this is. On October 29th, as Catherine Burleson and a friend walked Burleson's eight no, sorry, 13-year-old Corgi Emma at Trinidad State Beach in California. A pack of 10 standard poodles burst from a nearby car and raced toward them, the Mad River Union reported. Uh, first of all, 13-year-old Corgi, how long do those live? They look just incredibly unhealthy. I thought maybe like seven at the most. 13? That's got to be an old Corgi, I would think. I don't know. Burleson leaned down to pick up Emma, but she wriggled out of Burleson's arms just as the pack attacked. Quote, I thought Emma and I were going to be killed, Burleson said. To make things even weirder, during the incident, Burleson felt her finger being bitten. When she looked up, it was the... Oh, oh my good, this is about to get very weird. Okay, let me start over. Burleson felt her finger being bitten. But when she looked up, it was the poodle's owner, Frank Malat, who had her finger in his mouth. Malat later told her he thought he was biting one of his dogs. That doesn't make it any better, does it? You, 
Dog bites, you're going to bite it back? What are you, a lunatic? Emma was severely injured and underwent emergency surgery from which she is still healing. Malat repeatedly owns a service dog company that, according to the website, places dogs, quote, with children at little to no cost through the help of donations and volunteers. What? I Look, the, the poodles, Tim Poodles being in her car, it's weird enough. The man bit this woman's finger. And his excuse was, sorry, I thought I was biting the dog. Dogs don't have fingers. What did you think you were biting? We got to go to break. Um, I, need a, I need a second. When we come back, we're going to actually talk about football. Get into all the games of the week. I've got to take a second to process this. So just hang hang with us. Listen to some ads. We'll be we'll be right back. You're listening to the Game Managers on WJLX 101.5. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Game Managers podcast. We are finally going to get into all the games of the week. First up, we have a pre-recorded segment that we did earlier Saturday before all the games. Uh, reviewing the Iron Bowl. I did this with my friend Skylar Laura of the Skylar Laura Podcast. So take a listen to this. All right. Now joining me to talk about the Egg Bowl and really about whatever I guess we feel about talking about, my friend Skylar Laura from Skylar Laura Podcast. Hey, buddy. How's it going? Hey, Nick. How are you? I appreciate you having me on. Oh, yeah, man. Doing great. Glad to uh, glad to have you on here. I've, I've, uh, it's been a while since we spoke. We actually used to go to high school together many years ago now, but I've seen some of your uh, your clips on YouTube and we both thought it'd be kind of great to get you on here to talk a little football. Yeah, man. Uh, I appreciate you having me on there. Yeah, we, we used to play a little ball together back at Old Summit Christian. Uh, you know, had you there at the defensive end position and me at the quarterback position there. A lot of, a lot of good memories there at Summit Christian. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, speaking of something, Christian, I've seen some of your, your interviews. Like I said, you've talked to, uh, to Lance Blair, baseball coach there and Matt Yarbrough, uh, basketball coach who I both work with. Uh, and you've done some, some other big interviews too. You got Christian Jones, 2013 SEC special teams player of the year during his tenure at Alabama. Uh, you had Trevor uh, Relaford played basketball at Bama a bit professionally. Um, you guys are really good interviews. Tell, tell us where you, people can find your show and where they can listen or tune in. Yeah, it's really fun. So like you mentioned, it's the Skylar Laura podcast. It's available on YouTube, Spotify and SoundCloud. And yeah, you know, it's a lot of fun. We started out, um, you know, I've gotten some local guys like Lance Blair, Coach Bill Griffin, Matt Yarbrough, had a lot of Alabama guys, um, Trevor Relaford, Ross Pierce Baker, Elijah Crockett, who's on the team currently. And it's just really fun. It's growing and it's really fun to just kind of have people on there to be able to tell their story and just have an interesting conversation regardless if they're football or basketball or baseball. So, you know, it's been a lot of fun and I hope to keep it going and hope it grows even bigger. And like I said, I appreciate you having me on here. Oh yeah. And yeah, it's, it's, I like how all of yours are kind of, it's much more like a conversation. Your episodes, they're very, uh, you obviously put some time and thought into your questions. It's not just like we talked about, not just cookie cutter questions. Like you had said, it's, uh, before the show, it's, you kind of put some thought into it, and it's it's always very entertaining. Definitely check it out. I'll link that below as well if you're listening on the podcast app. But if not, 
Scholar Laura Podcast, YouTube, um, SoundCloud, and you said Spotify. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Okay, well, good deal. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about the Egg Bowl. There's a lot of outside noise in the lead up to this game. Uh, there were several reports, of course, that Ole Miss coach Lane Kiffin will be leaving to replace Brian Harson as the head coach at Auburn. He met with players privately, denied those reports, but we all know, as well as those players do, that a coach's word isn't worth a ton when there's millions of dollars on the line. Um, do you think that maybe that factored into you know the eventual, what was it, 24-22 Ole Miss loss we got on Thanksgiving? You know, it definitely could. It definitely could. But, Nick, I don't think he should leave Ole Miss. I really don't. Um, I think he's got a good thing going at Ole Miss. They had a really good start. You know, they started out 7-0 and and then, for whatever reason, lost a lot of steam this last kind of fourth quarter, if you will, of the season. Um, but I think at this point in Lane's career, I think it would be pretty wise for him to maybe build some stability because he's had a reputation of being able to, you know, just move and go from team to team. And um, I, I think, honestly, I think Auburn is a – team where they have a lot of influence coming from their boosters and things of that nature and they're kind of looking for a yes man uh in my personal opinion and i don't think that's lane kiffin and another guy that's been brought up uh deon sanders from jackson state i think both of those coaches are amazing coaches amazing recruiters but i just don't honestly feel feel like lane kiffin um could be that match for auburn i actually made a podcast clip about Deion Sanders going to Auburn um that possibly could work out a little bit more because I feel like maybe Deion Sanders is in a little bit more of a different position where he needs to possibly kind of I mean if you want to call it buying out that's fine but kind of just progressing into a power five school because he's he's came out in interviews and said that he's interested and he would definitely entertain those offers so um you know we'll see but I know a lot of Auburn people they've they've been pleased with Cadillac. You know, they've feel comfortable with him. He's already been on the staff. He's an Auburn guy. So it'll definitely be interesting to see what happens. And I thought, honestly, I thought they would have made a decision by now, but uh, the fact that they have, it just kind of adds to the suspense. Yeah. And, and you're right. I don't know how Lane Kiffin would clash with those boosters. He's very much, uh, is opinionated, I guess. He's usually not too shy of, of sharing his opinions. I don't know how the boosters would like that. That being said, they're absolutely going after him. They will try to hire him. I I guess it comes down to what matters more to Lane Kiffin, being comfortable or having a lot more money. Of course, at Ole Miss, Mississippi State laws, you can only have four-year contracts for government employees. That's going to factor into the amount that they can be paid. He went to Auburn and signed a seven-year deal. That's a lot more money. But you can go eight and four at Ole Miss every year and keep your job. Probably not the case at Auburn. So I guess it just depends on if you value that comfort or if you want to uh, progress, maybe compete for a, a national championship. But like you said, they were ranked number seven at one point. The wheels kind of fell off there the later half of the season. Uh, but uh, yeah, and I, th I think Deion Sanders, obviously, that's a great second choice. Uh, amazing recruiter. To be honest with you, I, I'm, a, I'm kind of for... Nick, I mean, um, Lane Kiffin coming to Alabama possibly after Saban retires, either him or Dabo. Those would be my two top candidates for Alabama. Oh, yeah. I think a lot of people feel that same way. I, I know that's all over Twitter. People are saying, don't don't go to Auburn. Take the, the Alabama job eventually, Kiffin. But, um, 
Yeah, and that's that's a pretty good gig too. I guess it depends. I guess that's more of a a possibility, whereas Auburn would be more of a certainty if he wanted it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's as far as Cadillac goes, he does have a lot of love. I think if he were to pull off the Iron Bowl, which we're recording this before the game, if he was to win that game somehow. Maybe there's a little bit more buzz, but I think the inexperience is, is going to maybe scare those boosters off from promoting him. Definitely need to try to keep him on the staff, if nothing else. Um, I think a win today uh, for the Auburn Tigers in an Iron Bowl would not only help Cadillac, but I think, honestly, it would just kind of make the Auburn job look a lot more appealing to other candidates. You know, like, oh, they just beat Alabama. You know, they must have something going on. They must have some pieces on that roster that I can work with. Yeah, that's that's a very good point. That's true. You know, even though there has been like a, a mass exodus of players, there's still a lot of talent on that Auburn team. They're still Power Five SEC West team. They're going to have some uh, some skill there. So they just need somebody to pull them all together. It seems like. But let's talk a little bit about the actual Egg Bowl. Um, if nothing else, this game was it was entertaining. It was uh, it always is, I guess, when you have personalities like Lane Kiffin, Mike Leach going head to head, but this one actually came down to a failed two point conversion to tie the game, which it's always either, I guess, exciting or heartbreaking depending on the side you're on. Um, but I thought just a really fun game. Both quarterbacks came out uh, pretty consistent. Um, Will Rogers, maybe not as great a game as, as uh, Dart did, but still uh, Rogers able to pull out the win there. Um, what did, what did you think of this game? Yeah, absolutely. This was definitely an exciting Egg Bowl for sure. Um, really came down to the wire. The 121-year-old rivalry, it was played in Oxford, Mississippi at Bought Hemingway Stadium with the Mississippi State Bulldogs, like you said, getting the win, the 24-22 win on Thanksgiving night. I thought Ole Miss's offense was a little stagnant in the first half. They couldn't execute in the red zone. Um and it just kind of turned into field goal after field goal. Uh, I don't think they actually scored a touchdown until about two two minutes or so left in the first half. But I was really impressed with Ole Miss's pass rush. They were able to get back to Rodgers pretty much all night, um, causing three turnovers on the night. But like I said, they were getting back there, making him uncomfortable. And as the defensive coordinator, that's all you can ask for from your D-line. And it, it was pretty neck and neck for the whole game. Um, just the eye view, watching it on TV, as well as by the stat book, um, Mississippi State had 20 first downs, Ole Miss had 19. The total yards by each team was nearly identical. Mississippi State just had one more than Ole Miss with 336 total yards of offense. And like you said, Rodgers didn't have his best game, but I've been really impressed with him all year. He's such a great leader. He's such, you know, a competitor. And he um, he actually passed Dak's all-time passing touchdowns at Mississippi State uh, earlier this year. And I was actually in talk with Mike Leach about having him on my podcast. So I was uh, I was pulling for the Mississippi State Bulldogs, and you know I'm I'm glad they they pulled it out. Um, I've always liked watching Mike Leach's teams because you know it's going to be um, heavy heavy on the passing. And as a former quarterback, that's always fun to watch. And, um, you know, he's the inventor of the air raid offense. And that's trickled down into Josh Heupel's offense because Mike Leach coached Josh Heupel at Oklahoma. So it's kind of fun to see how 
Josh Heupel has taken Mike, Mike Leach's air raid offense and kind of tweaked it to his own. And that's what you saw Hendon Hooker using, you know, to beat Alabama this year with Jalen Hyatt going for whatever it was, like six catches and five touchdowns or something crazy. So, yeah, it was it was a really entertaining game, and it's always fun to watch football on Thanksgiving. I mean, what that's like peanut butter and jelly Thanksgiving and football. Oh yeah, yeah, that's that'd be great if you got Mike Leach on the podcast. That would uh, he'd give some entertaining quotes. I'm sure you'd have to have to think of some odd questions to ask him. Uh, Definitely the most entertaining coach in the SEC, 100%. Oh, yeah, especially in in an interview setting. Uh, But like you said, very impressed with Will Rogers. He's thrown the ball 386 times, only only six interceptions. That's 380 passes that were not (laughs) interceptions. That's not easy. Um, So, yeah, definitely uh, huge talent there at Mississippi State. They are going to miss him uh, once he moves on. and yeah, it's nice. I guess it is nice to see Mike Leach get the win after two straight losses there in the Egg Bowl. Um, where do you see these these teams go if if Lane Kiffin is to lose is to leave Ole Miss? How does that affect that program? Would you say? I think it would affect it a lot. You know, I thought um, having Lane Kiffin, they really separated themselves with recruiting you know because Lane Kiffin is is a really great recruiter and I actually thought they were going to land Arch Manning um and that's where I thought honestly uh where he should have went I felt like that was the perfect fit for him with Lane Kiffin being an offensive genius he could really you know tweak the offense around to let Arch shine and Arch is as we know his uncle Eli Manning was a star at Ole Miss his granddad Archie Manning was a star at Ole Miss so um, he, he ultimately decided to go to Texas, but yeah, I think if Lane Kiffin left, I think that would be a pretty significant loss to Ole Miss. Obviously, um, I don't think they would have any problem getting somebody else in there. Um, you know, maybe, maybe Dion. I mean, who knows? Maybe if, if Ole Miss opened up, he would just kind of stay in Mississippi and go to Ole Miss and maybe not have to deal with some, you know, influence from the boosters and all that. But like I said, I, if I had to put money on it and make a bet right now, I would say he's not leaving. Um, it's been pretty entertaining on Twitter. If you've seen he, uh, a, a reporter kind of tweeted out that he was leaving. Obviously, that wasn't the case, that he hasn't said that. So he goes on Twitter and quote tweets it and basically changed the words around to the reporter's name saying that he was leaving this broadcasting station, going to another one and all, totally trolling the guy. So that was pretty funny. But, yeah, I, I really don't think um, – I don't see it happening. I don't see him leaving. Yeah, I saw, I saw that tweet. That was good. He's uh, he's pretty great on Twitter. Good follow there. Um, speaking of which, before we go, where can uh, where can people follow you and the show on social media? Yeah, so I have a Instagram and a Twitter for my podcast. Both of them, the handle is Skylar Laura Pod. Um, that's a great way to go on there and follow to keep up to date with everything – um, you know, new videos and new interviews and things of that nature, as well as just some entertaining um, sports pictures, you know, that you would see on a ESPN or a sports center's Instagram or Twitter. So just trying to, uh, like I said, just trying to keep it going and get it out there and just let people share their story. And um, yeah. Well, very good. And I will say right before we go, I actually just got an alert on my phone. Auburn has been in discussion 
with Q3 is about coming schools the next football coach. So you may just be right about Lane Kiffin passing. Yeah, I know that was the name that was being brought up for sure. Yeah, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. Old, uh, old Ole Miss coach. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, thank you, Skylar. All right, we're uh, we're out of time. We got to move on, but I appreciate you coming on. And everybody, please check out the Skylar Laura podcast on YouTube, uh, Spotify, and SoundCloud. It's definitely worth checking out. I appreciate you coming on, buddy. Nick, thank you so much, man. Have a good weekend. All right, I'll see you. Thank you. You too. All right, now now that we're back from the past here, Nick is back in the present. Technically, still the past. If you're listening to this, as we are putting the rest of this. On Saturday night, we need to get into the Iron Bowl. Alabama's big win, getting the bragging rights over Auburn for another year, putting them out of bowl contention. Five-win Auburn team, ending their season early. Unceremonious ending there. And we're going to talk all about it. Uh, a few first thoughts up front. Uh, Alabama may have made, well, it did, it made its final case for a long shot college football playoff bid. There is a way that Alabama could still make the playoffs. It had to get a little chaotic. We're going to talk about that at the end of the show, not focusing on that right now, but pretty strong finale for Alabama and possibly for quarterback. Bryce Young, and linebacker Will Anderson, who I imagine if Alabama does not go to the playoff, which seems to be the likely scenario right now, that these two guys would forego, possibly. I think they would. I don't know this. This is not, don't take this as truth. There are some rumors that they might consider foregoing the bowl game, preparing for the NFL draft. Um, I don't think anybody would blame them if they did. I think that a lot of a lot of fans want to see them play in the bowl game, whether that be the Orange Bowl or the Sugar Bowl or wherever. Um, but you know, I understand you got to stay healthy, you got to make your money, you need to prepare so you can get the most money you can. I get it, I respect it, I got no issue with it. Well, let's talk about a little bit about the actual game itself. And since we're talking about Bryce Young, what a night he had. 20 for 30. 343 yards of the year. Three touchdowns. He did have a pick, but he also had a rushing touchdown. 48 yards on the ground. Five carries. Uh, Jameer Gibbs, the leading rusher with 76 yards and a touchdown. And McClellan, Rodell Williams, also getting touchdowns on the ground there as well, already missing Jace uh, McClellan. He also got a receiving touchdown. Uh, Holden, he had a receiving touchdown, as well as Brooks. All getting receiving touchdowns. The offense was firing. Uh, Alabama looked good. This is, I heard several guys in the press box say, if Alabama played like this the whole year, maybe they're undefeated. Maybe they only have one loss. Yeah, maybe. Um, it definitely would have helped. This was a good showing. For the Tide, and like we said, if they want a long shot at the playoffs, they needed a big dominant win over Auburn. Of course, Auburn not a great win. You know, five and seven, two and six in conference play isn't that impressive. But you didn't want it to be close. You needed to thump the Tigers. That is what they definitely did. Let's talk about 
Auburn side of things. Robbie Ashford, 11 for 23, 77 yards, a touchdown. A little, you know, a little lackluster, but what he didn't get done as well through the year, he did on the ground. 17 carries, 121 yards, two touchdowns, carrying the ball. Um, only person with more rushing yards was Hunter. 11 carries, 134 yards, but no touchdowns. Uh, Ashford was responsible for every touchdown in this game. His one receiving touchdown, or sorry, his one passing touchdown caught by uh, Johnson with his only reception of 20 yards. Overall, all, nobody expected Auburn to really be that competitive in this game. Um, they don't have a head coach. They have had a mass exodus of players. It wasn't fair. It was never going to be fair. They were playing a 9-win, now a 10-win Alabama. It just wasn't going to happen this year. And it didn't. And that's okay. Um, Auburn has now got to focus on a more important matter for them, finding a head coach. Um, and though it seemed like it was going to be Lane Kiffin, it seems like now it's going to probably be Hugh Freeze. And there's a lot we could talk about with that. Is that a good hire? Yeah, maybe he beat Alabama like, what, eight years ago. I guess that's a good enough reason to hire him. Um, he is a good coach. I think what's funny about it is Albert wanted to fire Brian Harson, investigated Brian Harson because of rumors that he was having an affair. They're going to turn around and hire Hugh Freeze? It's just, it's a bit, it's a bit hypocritical, wouldn't you say? Um, but whatever, it's a business. I get it. It's just whatever. Um, I'm interested though, Auburn fans. Do you want Hugh Freeze? If it hasn't been announced by the time this is airing, maybe it has. Either way, do you want him? Do you think he's he's the guy? I want you to email in gamemanagerspot at gmail.com. You can also tweet at us, write us on Facebook and Instagram at tgmpod at all those places. Let us know your thoughts because I'm interested in uh and what Auburn fans are thinking about Hugh Freeze. From what I've read online, it's a bit of a mixed bag. Some people a little more open to the idea than others. I don't know. Cadillac Williams likely serves as head coach for his final game here. Some people saying Cadillac should get another go. Maybe, maybe give him a season. I don't think so. I think he's likable. I think you need to keep him on the staff, if, if at all possible. But I don't think Auburn needs to go out and hire a no-name coach when there are Lane Kiffins and Deion Sanders and Hugh Freezes out there. So, hmm. interesting, interesting things. So let's look at the defensive side of things. Alabama's leading defensive player, Lawson, had nine total tackles, seven uh, on his own solo. Brian Branch had eight total, five on his own. Um, he also had a tackle for loss there as well. And um, Will Anderson, two sacks, as well as Braswell and um, Henry Toto also getting in on the sack action there. I don't like how that sounded, but um, I'm going to stick with it. Also, Auburn's defensive side of things. Uh, Riley had 12 total tackles, five solo. Um, oh, and Papo? Papo? Papeo? Sorry, I always get that wrong. 10 total tackles. He also had an interception. Um, Bryce Young's only interception of the game. He is the one who picked that off there. So, good stuff 
going on for both teams defensively. Auburn just not able to stop that high-powered Alabama defense, or offense, sorry, not able to slow it down over 500 total yards. There's only so much you can do if you're Auburn. I mean, they're they're barely hanging on. And uh, I think a lot of them are probably just glad that it's all over now, that they can uh, can rest, can move on to the next season, or move on to the transfer portal, or move on to the draft, or just move on to something else. And that's fine, too. But Alabama, regardless, has bragging rights for yet another year. Now, all the focus for Auburn is looking toward finding a coach. Folks for Alabama, looking forward to a potential bowl game, hoping for chaos to ensue that they can find the college football playoff and get put out probably the first round by Georgia. Moving on, though, let's talk about South Carolina and Clemson. A big upset over the number eight team. South Carolina just ruining playoff chances for everyone this year, apparently. Uh, Gamecocks 8-4 now on this season. Spencer Rattler, 25-39, 360 yards, two touchdowns. He did have a couple picks, but um, he, also, uh, he also had a touchdown on the ground as well. DJ Ukulele for Clemson. 8 for 29, 90 down the a touchdown and a pick. Uh, not been his year. That's okay. Um, I I feel for him. Dabo way overhyped him, saying he would be better than Trevor Lawrence. Why would you ever say that about anyone who hasn't played a meaningful snap? I don't know. Dabo says some weird stuff. Uh, I believe he was talking a little bit of smack about Tennessee before this game, and then he got his own uh, his own stuff rocked. Here, but uh, funny. I, I always love to see Clemson lose. It also helps the case that Alabama will probably not play them in the in a New Year's Six Bowl, which will be nice. I did not want to see that, and if I didn't want to see it, nobody did. So good, drop them, drop them all the way down. That ten and two Clemson team, uh, still quite a year. I believe this is two years now in the row with two losses. So. Seeing some Clemson fans getting a little worried, maybe that Clemson is going to fade into back into obscurity if they stay on this path. I think it's a little dramatic. I'd say a lot of teams would kill for 10 win seasons, but not been in the playoff in a few years. I understand uh, the anticipation, the anxiety. I get it. So interesting to see what Dabo does in the offseason, cleaning up that offense and defense after losing both his coordinators, longtime coordinators, after this past season. Very quickly, let's talk on. Uh, let's talk about Michigan, number three, playing number two Ohio State, beating them outright, forty-five to twenty-three. Not even close. A fun game. I'll be honest. I didn't think Jim Harbaugh had it in him. Um, you know, last year they had a good year after he took a pay cut because. There were demands for him to be fired. He took a pay cut, said to stay another year, got a fire lit under him, got them to the playoffs, lost, humiliatingly seemed during that uh, post-game and halftime conference at the playoff game to just be completely content, getting the doors blown off, just completely okay, just happy to be there. This year, though, looking good, 12-0, 
nine and zero in conference, humiliating Ohio State at Ohio State, I believe it was. Um, what what a what a fun game, and you know, you gotta hand it to Michigan. They are they are looking pretty good. Might give might give Georgia some trouble if they were to meet in the national championship. Uh, McCarthy for Michigan, twelve for twenty four, two hundred sixty three yards, three touchdowns through the air, and uh, Edwards. 22 carries, 216 yards, two touchdowns. He had an 85-yard run as well. They're able to throw it around a little. They can run the ball. C.J. Stroud, uh, 21 or th- sorry, 31 for 48, 349 yards, two touchdowns, couple picks. Um, they were not able to find a touchdown on the ground. Uh, wow, what a what a game! What a fun one! Uh, if you watch this one, you know. And always fun, always fun to see Ohio State lose. I am not an Ohio State fan in the slightest. I'll be the first to admit it. Um, I always disliked them after the Urban Meyer scandal. I really disliked them. So this is fun. I hope they lose every game forever. Really quickly, Oregon, number nine, with Bo Nix being upset by number 21, Oregon State. We're going to talk a little bit more about Oregon later, how they might and help Alabama get to the playoffs. Uh, but Bo Nix, 27 for 41, 327 yards, two touchdowns. Um, he's had an interesting an interesting ride this year. Um, Bo Nix is all about highs and lows, and that has always kind of been his, his, his trajectory of things. And I, um, I just, I wonder how, I can't, I wonder how that will translate to the NFL. Um, I think he's a good, you know, he, he seems to got some some leadership abilities when he wants to. And he kind of left, supposedly, reportedly left Auburn in a sort of a fiery rage. But I don't know. I don't know. You got to be pretty consistent in the NFL. And he didn't have a bad night against Oregon State, but 67.6 QBR. Definitely could do better. But, you know, you're playing for Oregon. It's not like uh, it's not like you got Alabama guys around. you still a very talented team, but you know what I'm saying. Now let's talk about the last game. The last game we're going to talk about. Texas A&M, not bowl eligible. Didn't matter if they won this game. If not, they are not going to a bowl. But they decided to come out and whip up on LSU 38-23, ruin the Tigers' playoff chances. No shot of them going now. Three losses, not in three. When is, I think we get this question later. When is the last time a three-loss team represented the SEC West in the SEC Championship? I don't know. But LSU, I guess he's going to do it. Uh, Daniels, 21 for 35, 189 yards, no touchdowns through the year. Uh, he also had 84 yards rushing. Emory Jr. was responsible for all three touchdowns on 55 yards rushing on nine carries. And Texas A&M, Wigman had, was 12 for 18, 155 yards, two touchdowns. And uh, Kane also had two touchdowns on the ground, 215 yards rushing as well. What a uh, what a Brian Kelly loss too. I know it's his first year. A very 
Very successful first year. Way more successful than I anticipated for Brian Kelly to have. Winning the West. Um, playing for, I mean, he'll probably get 10 wins. He's not going to probably win against Georgia, but he'll probably get a win in a bowl game. So, you know, potentially a 10-win season. Still incredible. But this is very much a Brian Kelly type of loss. One that you should not lose for the end of the season, and you just do. That is classic Brian Kelly, if it is, is anything. Definitely. So, look, we've got to move on. I know that Justin Knight is not here for his famous Professor Knight segment, but I thought that, uh, that I'd give a quick one anyway. So, here we go. All right, students, gather round and put on your listening ears. It's time to visit the Learning Corner with Professor Knight. What are we learning today, Professor? All right. The first Iron Bowl game. This is all Iron Bowl trivia, by the way. First Iron Bowl game was played in Birmingham in 1893. Auburn won that game 32-22. But because of a disagreement by the two teams, they stopped playing after the 1907 season. They actually didn't resume playing until 1948 after the Alabama Congress threatened the schools with a loss of funding. The two teams have played every year since. Now, I knew that they started playing back. They started, you know, they took a break from playing, started doing it again. I did not realize that it was the Alabama Congress that made them do it. That's very interesting. Uh, the name of the matchup, the Iron Bowl, was coined by legendary Auburn coach Shug Jordan in the 1950s. That's very interesting. I thought it went back further than that. The lowest scoring Iron Bowl was the 1960 affair in which Alabama won 3 to nothing. Now, the highest scoring Iron Bowl happened in 2014. The number one Alabama defeated number 15 Auburn 55 to 44. We all remember that game. From 1959 through 1968, Alabama won eight out of nine games with the, the uh, lone Auburn victory in 1963. After the Tigers won three of the next four, Alabama won on the longest streak in series history, winning nine straight from 73 through 81. Most recently, Auburn enjoyed a significant streak, winning six straight from 2002 through 2007. So like most of us know that, but did you know the James Foy ODK Trophy has become a major part of Iron Bowl tradition the trophy is presented to the winning school during the Auburn-Alabama basketball game at the winning team's arena. And after the presentations, I didn't know this, this is fun. After the presentations, the losing school's SGA president must sing the fight song of the other school. That's a good time. That is fun. Speaking of good times and fun, we are going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to have fun with our weekly awards. All the wacky awards we'll give out for the end of the regular season. So, stay tuned. Good evening, and welcome back to the Game Managers Podcast, where we are about to give out the most prestigious awards in the sporting world, the TG Emmys. I am Nick Norris. Thank you for sticking with us. The first award of the night I'm going to give out is the most impressive stat of the year. And this actually goes to Marvin Harrison Jr. of Ohio State. Up until the loss against Michigan, he was the only FBS player to have over 1,000 yards receiving and zero dropped passes. Now, he did drop a pass during that game, but what a streak. 1,000 yards rushing, zero dropped passes. Incredible. Uh, definitely going to be... A first-round pick, it seems. Uh, good on him. 
very, very impressive. Uh, the next award we got here, the man with the power to save Alabama's playoff chances. We've been talking about this, alluding to this all night. Let's finally break it down. What has to happen for Alabama to get into the playoff? Well, one man may be able to do that. And this award ironically goes to Bo Nix at Oregon, former Auburn quarterback. Now, I'm recording this before the CFP rankings come out, but if we're just going by last week's rankings and moving the teams who lost down, LSU, Ohio State, you would be left with USC being ranked number four and Alabama being ranked number five right outside the playoff uh, four-team selection. So all that maybe needs to happen is Bo Nix and Oregon need to knock the the Trojans off. And that would open the door for a potential Bama bid in the playoff. Now, would the playoff actually do that? Would they put in a two a two loss Bama over a one loss Ohio State? I don't know. But it would be funny. Best case scenario for Alabama fans is this coming championship week. Maybe TCU also loses. You get both those teams to lose, you're probably in good shape. Alabama would probably begin then. But if just one, maybe there's a chance. It could happen. Crazier things have happened. We haven't had a two-team, two-loss team in the playoff at all, maybe? I'm not sure. But I've had a two-loss champion, I don't think, since LSU in the late 2000s. But I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure that is the case. Let's get into our last two awards. Best of the week. Best of the week, I've got to give to Ole Miss for somehow holding on to Lane Kiffin, convincing him not to go to Auburn. I don't know how they did it, but good on them. I know Bama fans are happy, too. They did not want to be facing Lane Kiffin in the Iron Bowl every year. It's hard enough facing him when he's at Ole Miss. And bust of the week, the opposite of best, goes to Broncos quarterback Russell Wilson, who I learned this week apparently has more bathrooms in his house than he does touchdowns on the season. In his $25 million mansion, Wilson has 12, went from 12 bathrooms. In comparison, he only has seven uh, passing touchdowns. Seven passing touchdowns on the season. 12 to 7. He's he's been a bit of a bust, I think we can all say. Uh, At least he's doing his little high knees and jumping jacks in the bathroom, though. We got to move on, though, to our final segment, Listener Letters. Go getters, write letters. We're the ones who read them. Please don't stop writing in to fill the time we need them. We are reading letters, the letters wrote by you. If you'd like to write the show, you can do so by emailing us at gamemanagerspot at gmail.com. You can also send us a message on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at TGMPod, just the letters TGMPod. This first one comes from Rob. With Auburn searching for a coach, I began thinking about who should replace Saban once he retires. Will anyone be scared to follow up the GOAT? Great question. Hopefully not one that has to be answered anytime soon, but the popular name is Lane Kiffin. Now that is a very divisive name because some people remember we lost the national championship when Lane Kiffin was fired slash quit. Uh, as offensive coordinator in Alabama. Now, 
I don't I don't necessarily think that he would be the best fit. I know a lot of people also say, let's get Dabo. Why would Dabo leave Clemson? He is a god there. He is the greatest Clemson coach of all time. Why would he come to Alabama and try his best to be the third best coach there of all time? And probably not make that. I mean, maybe he could. Maybe he wants to. Why would you, though? I don't know. Um, so, that's a great question. One I need to think about a little longer. Unfortunately, I don't have a lot of time. But let me know. Who do you think, Rob? Who do you think should be the next coach? Hopefully, we got a while until then. Uh, this next email comes from D. D says, I'm so tired of midday Iron Bowls. They should be prime time. I agree 100%. Um, at the game, it was nice when it turned dark. You could see the lights. Uh, the lights are always fun. Why is it in the middle of the day? Why is it that evening? Why why do we have to base our whole day around this thing right in the center of it? Let's make it, let's make it a 7 o'clock game. Why is it not? It should be. I agree 100%, D. Thank you. And thank you for writing us. Once again, if you'd like to do so, GameManagerSpot at gmail.com. You can also follow us and write us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at TGMPod. Unfortunately, that is all the time we have for today. But thank you all for listening. Thank you to Skylar for coming on the show. Remember to check him out, the Skylar Laura podcast. If you are listening on a podcast app, that will be linked in the description. And thank you all uh, once again for tuning in every week for following us throughout the regular season and the upcoming bowl season it's going to be a lot of fun so uh that is all we have for this week and so that's all we have for this week uh hope you all have a hope you all have a great sunday night and Hope you all have a great rest of your Sunday, and we will see you next week. Blue 42! Blue 42! Hut! Hut! Hike! Thank you for listening to The Game Managers. Like the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at TGM Pod. Until next week, goodbye, adios, and sayonara. Sayonara.